Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Well, here's really what it says. But encourage one another... Every Wednesday night, and for those of you that can't make it on Wednesday night, every third weekend that you make it. Is that what it says? Now, why in the world does it say I'm to encourage people and let people encourage me daily? For one reason, the deceitfulness and sin. You see, all around me are forces trying to discourage me, make me useless, make me a carnal Christian. You might not realize it, but the world system is hostile to biblical Christianity. It wants nothing to do with the people of Jesus, except to get them to compromise what they believe. Because of this systemic hostility, it's easy as a Christ follower to get worn down and be tempted to turn away from Jesus. This is what was happening to the people that Pastor Mark will be teaching about today. You'll hear about the difficulties they were having and the solution the writer of Hebrews was offering them. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Hebrews chapter 3 as he continues his message, Don't Turn Away from God. Understand, and we'll have a passage here about this, that Satan's very deceitful. And it may seem like, well, we've kind of justified it, and it's okay. But it's not okay. And Satan somehow got into these ten spies, and they began to listen to their fears, rather than the word of God that said, go in, Assure yourself that I'm going to give it to you. It's incredible, and then we're going to go for it. I don't know when their hearts begin to get hard and critical. Whether in those 40 days it was at the start and they didn't want to go anyway, or toward the end, or as they just started to come out and they just started to think about it, Satan said, you can't go there. That's going to be destruction for you. I mean, you'll die going in there. And whether they listened to him then, I just don't know where. Notice the word I asked you to circle first part there was sinful. Our hearts, when we say no to God, it's sin. Because we're not obeying the word of God. Now, here's something that you know, but you need to write it down. I have this in my Bible always to remind me. Every time you hear the word of God, you have an option. So as I'm teaching, as I'm doing my own devotions in the morning, as I'm listening to somebody else teach, as I was listening to Pastor Dean teach this weekend, or when Pastor Dave teaches, I listen online or whatever one of the guys. When I listen, I have a choice. Here's my options. Number one, I can obey the word that keeps my heart soft. I'm cool then. I'm good. 
God's speaking to me. Correction, encouragement, whatever it is, I keep my heart soft. Or I can ignore the word of God. That's the hardening process that begins. As you know, our hearts physically don't get hard from eating one triple whopper at some place or whatever. They get hard from constantly doing that and having the wrong kind of food, no exercise, all the rest. Same with us spiritually. If you ignore the word, hardening of my heart. Now, remember we talked about deceitfulness? Look at the end of verse 13. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. There it is. Satan would never come to us and say this. You know, God's speaking to you. If you listen to him, it's going to be good for you. Well, he wouldn't do that. He's a liar. He's going to say this. By the way, God isn't speaking to you. He's speaking to your neighbor. You know, it's the person in front of you. Just tap the person in front of you and say, God's speaking to you. He's not speaking to me. See? Does that ever happen? Well, if you're married, that happens all the time. You're sitting in there going, I hope my wife's listening to this because it's for her. Trouble is, she's saying, man, that's got Balmer's name written all over it. Am I right? I am exactly right. I've been married a couple of years. I know exactly what's happening. So you, those of you getting ready to get married, uh, it's going to be exciting. All right. That ought to cut a lot of counseling out, premarital for a while. Okay. Look at Numbers 14. I'm just kidding with you. Let me just say this. Marriage is the hardest thing in the world you'll ever, ever try. But it's the greatest thing in the world. And so that's just the amazing thing. The good things of God. Following God is very difficult. But as we do it, because he enables us to do it, it's absolutely incredible. Now, Numbers 14, verse 20 says this. The Lord replied, I think this is key. Listen, I have forgiven them. God says, I'm going to just zap them all out and start with a new group of people. If I'm Moses, I'm thinking, hmm, that's not too bad. I'm tired of these people. But he went, as a good leader would do, remember, and he interceded for the people. And God says, the Lord says, all right, I have forgiven them as you ask. Nevertheless, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of the men who saw my glory and the miraculous signs they performed in Egypt and in the desert, but who disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their forefathers. No one who has treated me with contempt, unbelief is contempt, will ever see it. So God forgave the Jews... Of that sin of unbelief. So that's good. That's very important. But sin always has consequences. Think about this. Probably at least one and a half million adults were waiting to go into the promised land. Forty years later, of those one and a half million, how many went into the promised land? Two. One and a half million died in the wilderness over the next 40 years. Everyone but the two. Now, I've thought about this before. Moses had to have some help for funerals. (laughs) 
Man. Unbelievable. On the second half, if you owned a funeral parlor. No, we won't even go there. But think of that. One and a half million people died because of one thing. One simple thing. The sin of unbelief. Remember Proverbs 14, 12 says, There's a way that seems right to man, but the end leads to death. Here's number four. Today, you understand that believing and obeying God leads to a soft heart. To a soft heart. Proverbs 28 says this, He who conceals his sin does not prosper. But whoever confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Blessed is the man who always fears the Lord. But he who hardens his heart falls into trouble. Let me read to you out of Ezekiel. You can just write it down. I won't ask you to turn there. Ezekiel 11, it says this in verse 19 and 20. Ezekiel 11, 19 20. I will give them an undivided heart, and I'll put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone, give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people, and I will be their God. God wants you and I to have a believing, obedient heart. As we guard our hearts, that's my purpose. I have to guard my heart because there's all kind of ways it gets hard, gets discouraged, starts down this path. If I guard my heart and I obey God, God's going to keep my heart soft. It's going to be there in a great relationship. And it's going to be a joy to follow Christ. But I have to guard my heart. Now, here's the key. How did God design for us to keep our heart soft? How can I follow what he says to do there? What should I be doing? Well, very easy. Here's number five. Today, you encourage others and let them encourage you. Look at verse 13. But encourage one another, oh, twice a year so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Is that what it says? Well, here's really what it says. But encourage one another every Wednesday night. And for those of you that can't make it on Wednesday night, every third weekend that you make it. Is that what it says? Now, why in the world does it say I'm to encourage people and let people encourage me daily? For one reason, the deceitfulness of sin. You see, all around me are forces trying to discourage me, make me useless, make me a carnal Christian. Pop, go home tonight, pop on the television. All kinds of forces come out at us. Go into work. What do you hear? Do you hear belief or unbelief? You hear unbelief all day long. Now, don't get me wrong. This is just as bad, if not worse, in the other direction. Pastor Mario, I want to, 
And nothing wrong with the Christian school. We have one. Nothing wrong with the home group school. Don't email me. Relax. (laughs) Pastor Mark, I heard Greg Lloyd the other day, and I thought it was hilarious. But, you know, we want a Christian neighborhood. We want a Christian school. We want a Christian cafe. We want Christian music. We only read Christian books. We only watch Christian TV. And I heard Greg Lloyd say that at the time, we need a Christian car. (laughs) Jesus stickers all over it, made by Jesus. Nothing ever goes wrong with it. God help us. Do you see going to the wrong extent? But we are not to have the world in us, but we're to be in the world. And so not only do I need you to encourage me, but I need to encourage you. Sometimes it's easy for a pastor to go, I'm encouraging you, I'm exhorting you tonight. Do I need exhorting? Yes, absolutely. And so, God designed us. It it works both ways. Today is the key. So, everyone needs to be exhorted and encouraged. One of the biggest tools in Satan's toolbox, or tool whatever, apron, the biggest one I see all the time is simply discouragement. People just get discouraged. You say to them, what's wrong? I'm just discouraged. Well, how'd you get discouraged? I don't know, but I'm I'm just, everything looks black and it didn't look like God's there and nothing's working, every door's closing. And they just get discouraged. So, this opposition, I mean, life is sometimes discouraging. We know that. So I need others to encourage me in my disappointments in life. Let me remind you of two things again. Is there any one of these that has anything to do with encouraging one another? Well, all of them do to a degree, but which one is the main one? Connect. Very good. The rest of you fail, but I'm working with you. Let me encourage you. See, you ought to know these back and forth. Connect to others in personal, vibrant relationships. See, I can't really encourage you one-on-one if I just walk up to you and go, and I say, you know what? I just want to pray for you and encourage you. Well, who in the world are you? I never met you before. Are you like weird or what? So really to be encouraged, I need to know someone, right? Look up and down your row. How many people in that row do you know? Look behind you. How many do you know? I know they're funny people. They think you're the same. That's all right. You know a few people. How many have been to their homes? Maybe a few. You say, well, I absolutely know everybody because I always sit in the same seat. (laughs) Well, that's another sermon I'll talk about later. (laughs) So we just have to understand that we have to be connecting to each other. Calvary Chapel, not certainly by any shape of imagination unusual, but we're a large growing church. God designed it that way. No different than the church in the book of Acts. Sometimes it can be overwhelming when you see all these people, but there's a lot of benefits, like I said, and we want our church to be small. How does that happen? It happens with you connecting, connecting to other people. Don't be disjointed. Don't be disconnected. Get yourself into a small group. We have lots of home groups, almost 40 home groups now, and 
We have lots of small groups getting ready to start, men's, ladies, couples, you name it. We're designed to do that. Here at CCM and CCMD, we design small groups. That's what we believe is the best place for sustained growth to happen, is in a small group. So, practically speaking, as you know, I can't encourage you other than from the pulpit. You want to email me, you want to talk to me, I'll try it. I'd certainly stop. I wait here at the end, whatever. But I can't encourage every one of you privately. It's impossible. Same for any of the other pastors. So all of us have to be in here doing it together. If you're new to the fellowship, get yourself plugged in. Find a way to connect. Because if you don't, Satan will bring disappointment in your life. And pretty soon, you just find a way that you don't come anymore. Then you go to another church and you say, well, I just got to find this really small church where I can get connected. Do you know this? Very often, I've been doing this a long time, a small church is very often much more difficult to get connected in than a big one. Because here, there's like 500 new people every week. Who are you? Who are you? I don't know. Whatever. No time to have a click. Here we go. <laughs> Laugh, but it's very true. And it's very healthy. In America, we have this danger on top of all this. Lone Ranger attitude, like a rugged individual. No, you can't do it. That's not the way God designed us. So I encourage you, get yourself. We need accountability. That's why I went over to Carl's. First thing I said when I got on Calvary Chapel, Sarasota, the first service and the second service, Pastor Carl and I are accountability partners. We talk to each other every week. He has to exhort me, I have to exhort him. See, I'm not just staying for you guys to get connected. I have to be connected. Make sure that you're connected. Stop out at the groups, find a way to do that. Now, two things, you know these words. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of one's friend springs from earnest counsel. You know, when you're discouraged, you need somebody that's going to speak into your life. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen: is iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So, if I know someone, I can tell if they're discouraged. I can see it. You can see it. And that's when we come alongside and say, you know, hey, what can I pray with you about? So you need to be real. And Well, nothing's ever wrong with me. I'm always fine. Everything's perfect. We know better than that. We all need a little encouragement. We need an arm around us from time to time. We need somebody just to pray with us. Sometimes, to be honest, we need a little kick in the pants. Is that right? To kind of just get us going. Number six. Today... This is our last one. You realize the importance of starting and finishing well. That's what the writer is talking about. Remember, this little home group is thinking, we're going back. And the writer of the home group says this, no, don't go back. It's great to start well, but it's way better to finish well. There's many people that start well, but their life is a disaster at the end. Now, some people start way later in life, but they finish well. Well, at least they finish well. Notice verse 14. We have come to share in Christ if we we hold firmly till the end the confidence we had at the first. So there's your words, the end and the first. That's the importance of starting and finishing well. As it has been said, and he repeats it again, 
today, not next week, not once a year, not twice a month. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in rebellion. God's always speaking to us. Who were they who hurt and rebelled? Were they not all those that Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? Why in the world is he going through this again? Repetition. Reminding us. And here we are, verse 19. Here's the key. So we see that they were not able to enter because of the of their unbelief. That was the key. Begin well. End poorly. That just doesn't work. They died in the wilderness. The singular sin. Not multiple. Notice, very important. They didn't die in the wilderness because of idol worship. They didn't die in the wilderness because of fornication. They didn't die in the wilderness because of jealousy. They didn't die in the wilderness because they were lying. As important as much of those are all sins. They died in the wilderness for one reason. Unbelief. They have to have faith. You know the verse. We'll study it when we get to chapter 11. And without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So this writer is saying to this small church, look, don't lose faith. Doesn't matter what's happening around you. Stick with Jesus. Go for it. Persevere. Keep on keeping on. What about us today? Remember, I was reading this recently. I thought it was very good. You will never truly hear what Jesus says until you do what Jesus said. God's speaking, but he's speaking to people that are going to be obedient. I have to guard my heart. You have to guard your heart. Now, the trip in the wilderness for the 40 years, disaster. But the trip in the wilderness initially, coming out of Egypt, was very good. Wonderful things happened. God fed them. They finally got their water. But what would it have been if on that edge they would have gone into the promised land? It had been better than even the trip in the wilderness. So this word better comes always out of there. What if the history of Israel read like this? All 12 spies came back excited about the opportunity to enter the promised land. God gave them the green light and said, Moses, have at it. Enter the promised land. About two million of them one day entered the promised land, and there they began to enjoy God's direction and his protection and his rest. Two million of them watched God do miracle after miracle after miracle as they enjoyed their first 40 years in the promised land. And God was pleased with their obedient hearts and their active faith in that go-for-it attitude. What if it had read like that? Do you know what? It was designed to read like that. That was the goal of God. But because of hard hearts, it read very differently. Let me leave you with this verse. Second Chronicles 16.9 For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark reminded you that you have a spiritual enemy. Satan wants, as Jesus warned, to steal, kill, and destroy you and your faith. You heard how the devil tempted the ten spies and the rest of the Israelites. 
you were told about the result of their unbelief and how they missed out on God's promises, you were warned not to do the same thing. There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This finishes Pastor Mark's teaching, Don't Turn Away From God. Next time, he'll begin a brand new message called The Challenge is Rest. He'll be talking about the hectic pace of life today, the problems people have making time for rest. He'll also be talking about spiritual rest. You might not be familiar with spiritual rest. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the tasks that God has for you and this ultimate place where you can find this spiritual rest. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. in a hurry.